God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yo, listen up, here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world. And all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue, like him inside and outside. Blue his house with a blue little window and a blue corvette, and everything is blue for him and himself and everybody around, cause he ain't got nobody to listen to. Welcome to episode 9 of Oh How Marvelous, and today we will be talking about Iron Man 3. But last time I told you that I would be getting a new microphone, and lo and behold I have one right now, thanks to my tax refund. So if you're hearing better quality sound and you think your ears are deceiving you, they in fact are not. Now this movie, Iron Man 3, I first saw at a drive-in theater with my mom and my brother and I think his girlfriend at the time. It was an interesting experience. The first movie that came on that night was Epic. I think it was that one movie back in 2013 that was really trying hard to be a bug's life, but it was failing miserably. And so Iron Man 3 came on after that. I was just finishing up sophomore year of high school, and I remember that summer at camp was a very memorable experience for me. It was that summer that the message of God's love, his unconditional love, went straight from my head, finally down to my heart. And I am very grateful for that memory and that moment at camp that year. Now back to the movie. I actually really enjoyed Iron Man 3, much like how I enjoyed Thor The Dark World. It was a fun movie. It was a nice Christmas movie, I think. It was Marvel's first Christmas-type project that didn't, like, surround the theme of Christmas. It just happened at Christmas time. The only other project that I can think of that takes place at Christmas time is the Hawkeye series that came out this past November, December, which I enjoyed that as well. I think for this one, I'm going to start off with my dislikes because they're actually it's just one point that I want to make about this. Um, my dislike, my one gripe about this, other than the Stanley cameo, I'll get to that later, is the fact that he destroyed his suit, but somehow he comes back as Iron Man. He destroys his suits, and then the very next minute, he's like, one thing you cannot take away from me, I am Iron Man. Um, you just destroyed your suits, dude. How does that make any sense? Like he had a moment where he was just letting part of himself go, then the next minute he's like, nah, I take that back, basically. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. The character development there is kind of weird. And speaking of my dislikes, onto the Stanley cameo. 
It was the worst cameo that Stanley has been a part of in the MCU. I gave it a 0.7 out of 10. Less than a single point. It was that bad. He doesn't even have a line. He just kind of gives a rating at a pageant. And that's it. These Iron Man Stanley cameos were not good. Not in any of his solo movies. But they did get better. I am glad that they did. But yeah, I was disappointed in this cameo. For sure. And now on to the positives of the film. Because I really did enjoy this film overall. And I do get the complaints from the comic book fans who talk about the Mandarin and how they really significantly downplayed him. I totally understand that, but that was redeemed in Shang-Chi. And I really love that. My favorite character of this movie was Harley. Because you have this little kid, just this common American kid, who Tony somehow meets because of Jarvis's powers going low and he needs a recharge. But Harley has a way of bringing Tony back to himself. He reminded Tony of who he was, what brought him to being Iron Man. And part of that was just being a simple mechanic. That's how he came to build his first Iron Man suit in that cave in the first Iron Man movie. And now my favorite scene was at the end of the big battle in Miami where at this point we think that Pepper Potts is dead, right? But we gotta remember she has extremis in her. She's not gonna die from an explosion, but Tony thought she was dead, so anyways, he tries to continue fighting Killian and it ends up, this is my favorite scene in this movie is where Pepper Potts just absolutely beats the snot out of Killian. It was amazing. And then she's like, you know what? I understand why you don't want to give up your suits. I understand why you're so attached to them. And I think it is in this moment that Pepper kind of gains that respect for the suits. She kind of respects Tony for his efforts in even wanting to protect even her. And now my favorite line comes from Tony himself where he says, We still at Ding Dong. We're supposed to be on total security lockdown. Come on, I threatened a terrorist. Who is that? I especially love that first line where he's like, Are we still at Ding Dong? Come on now. I like how it calls it Ding Dong and not just open the door. I really love that line. It's very Tony. I also love his little interaction with Rhodey at the beginning of the big fight scene where he's like, What? You can't hit a light bulb from that far. And then Rhodes proceeds to hit a light bulb from that far. Also, another honorary mention line is when Jarvis is talking to Tony through the phone that Harley's holding, and he's like, I can't finish my sentences right, and I proceed to finish the sentence with the wrong cranberry. And that'll do it for the MCU, mainly, portion of this episode. Now to get to the Devos portion of MCU Devos here, and I will read the devotional here for you that I wrote However long ago it was. Here goes. In Iron Man 3, a terrorist by the name of the Mandarin becomes the worst threat that Tony has faced yet. The Mandarin interrupts national and international broadcasts to claim responsibility for various acts of terror throughout the globe, bringing more psychological terror in the process. Because of Tony's history in overcoming terrorism, 
A member of the press decides to ask him when somebody's going to kill the Mandarin. He responds by making a threat to the terrorist. He is so confident in his threat that he decides to give his full address. Unsurprisingly, the Mandarin attacks Tony at his home and he blacks out. Jarvis, Tony's AI for his suits, takes him to Tennessee where he learns more information about his enemy, regains his footing, and eventually brings an end to the terrorist threat. Tony's predicament in this story is very much like that of Elijah in 1 Kings 18-19. through First, God told him to go to King Ahab, a very horribly disobedient king of Israel, and arrange for a time to show all of Israel God's sovereignty. This show of sovereignty would be the event on Mount Carmel where Elijah mocks Baal, and God shows the people that he is the one true God. When Ahab tells his wife, the Queen Jezebel, a woman even more evil than he, about this, she threatens to kill Elijah. In response to this threat, Elijah flees into the wilderness, where he becomes deeply depressed. But God provides for his needs by twice providing him food and water and having him sleep. This helps Elijah get back to his bearings and place his focus back on God's provision instead of Jezebel's powerful threats. Tony and Elijah both called out their enemy, and their lives were directly threatened. As a result of these threats, they both end up far from the threat, whether voluntarily or not. Something significant of note that they have in common is that they both needed to lay low, recharge their batteries, and regain their bearings so that they might be ready to move forward. What are some current threats to your soul? What holds more of your attention, the power of those threats or the provisions of God? When last did you distance yourself from the threats? Do you need to do so now? When last have you taken time to rest? Do you need to do so now? Will you move on worrying about the threats or resting in God's provision? It can be easy for us as Christians in the middle of persecution to focus more so on the hopelessness that the threat brings than to counter blessings. And that is the main focus of that devotional piece there, that we should be able to count our blessings, look up to God, see the provisions that he's given us already, and be thankful for that, because that can give us hope to overcome those persecutions, because in the end, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21, right? And to focus on that to live as Christ piece, that means to live, we should be imitating Christ in our living. And to die is gain, meaning to die is to gain glory, to be in the presence of God Almighty, the one whom we've served our entire lives on earth. That is our reward. There are quite a few other biblical themes that I noticed in watching this recently. The first one being creating your own demons. It's the very first line that Stark speaks about in this movie, right? Where he says, a famous guy once said, we create our own demons, so on and so forth, right? And this is illustrated in the film by the story with Killian at New Year's Day in 2000, where he kind of made an enemy of Killian by ignoring him. Killian recruited him to join AIM, and he didn't. He just kind of left him abandoned on the rooftop that he said he'd meet there in five minutes. And so by abandoning Killian on that rooftop, he gave him that false sense of hope, right? 
by abandoning him there, he created his own demon of an enemy. And that's how we got the fake Mandarin, if you will, in Iron Man 3. And so one way that we create our own demons is by not being true to our own word. And that's why it's important that God stays true to his promises as he always does. He does not abandon his word. He stays true to his covenants that he makes with us. He stays true to his promises. Deuteronomy 7.9 in the English Standard Version says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And so again, the Lord is faithful and just, and he will keep true to his promises. We just have to keep our end of it too. So the next biblical theme that comes up surrounds Happy and his obsession with people wearing badges wherever he is. It's like when the Pharisees of the New Testament that Jesus encountered were very obsessive about him obeying the laws, especially the laws surrounding the Sabbath. There's a moment when he and his disciples are walking by this field and they're plucking ends of wheat, grain, and they're sifting through them and eating it. And that would be considered work. And obviously during the Sabbath, you're not allowed to work. And the Pharisees saw them and they called them out on it. But Jesus's response was amazing. The story is recorded in Mark chapter 2. Starting in verse 23 in the English Standard Version, it says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus understood that the Pharisees had this understanding of the Sabbath that man was made for it because God established the Sabbath. But something that didn't cross their minds was that, you know what, God created man first and then the Sabbath. Why couldn't he have just created the Sabbath for man? And that is the point that Jesus is trying to make here. That Sabbath was made for man because he knows that man needs time to rest. And rest looks different for each and every one of us. I mentioned in the devotional how God kind of just forced Elijah to eat, drink some water, and sleep. And that's what rest looked like for Elijah in that moment. The next topic that comes up presents itself when Tony sends up the suit to greet Pepper in a way that Pepper thinks that he's in the suit, but really he's just downstairs doing curl-ups. But um, the theme here is when you hide behind a mask to put on a front that you might be okay or everything's going well, when in fact you're probably in the worst spot of your life. 
And to those of you who find yourself there today or in this moment that you're listening to this, I just want to say that I am sorry. No one should have to go through depression or whatever, but that is a result of this fallen world. God never promised us that we would never go through this stuff, even as Christians and believers. But he does promise that he'll be with us every step of the way. We might not see it. There will be times where it seems like there's only one set of footprints in the sand. And we might assume that that set of footprints is our own. But really, it's Jesus' footprints. And where's the other set of footprints? Where's our footprints? Well, those are the moments that God is carrying us through those moments. Now, another reason we might be hiding behind a mask is to hide sin. Um, We're trying to put on this front that we didn't commit some sort of sin and that that sin didn't affect us and how we think. And we try to just put on this front to deny that sin. And something important to know here is Numbers 32.23 tells us that our sins will find us out, meaning that they will eventually come out and be exposed in the open, probably likely when we least expect it to, when we think it's gone behind us, we can no longer put up that front because there's probably no longer that guilt or shame behind it. There might be some level of guilt and shame, just not as great as when you initially sinned. But your sin will eventually find you out. But we can confess that sin before the Lord, and he is good and gracious to forgive. Another biblical theme that comes up is the fact that temporary worldly helps can kill in the end. And this parallels to extremists. You see, there's that one scene where the guy asks the other guy, I don't know what the first guy's name is, I forget, but he asks him if he can regulate, and the guy insists that he can. And if he can't regulate, then he eventually explodes, right? And we see that the vice president has an amputee daughter that he wants extremists for, right? And so he has that desire for his daughter to be healed. But what he doesn't know is that extremists, the very thing that he wants that can possibly heal his daughter, can also eventually kill her. So worldly helps do not help in the end. Eventually they're going to backfire and cause some undesired consequence that will cause you to be like, man, I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't gone to this worldly thing to help me. John 14 6 says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It doesn't say a way, a truth, or a life. It says the way, the truth, the life. He is the way to receive the desires of your heart so long as your heart's desires align with the will of God. Another point that comes up is armor as security and refuge, and this largely has to do with the character of who Tony Stark is. He saw his armor as his security and refuge. Obviously, when he lands in Tennessee and Jarvis starts shutting down, he kind of has this sort of crisis on his hands. And I will delve into this more on the character study of Tony Stark, because I think it's very important to who he is as a character. And the next point surrounds Tony's mental health issues after the Battle of New York. Obviously, he has these nightmares that flash back to him in New York, just about to die. And then you have his conversation with Harley, where he has the panic attack when Harley mentions New York. 
Obviously, he has some sort of mental health crisis on his hands surrounding the Battle of New York. And Tony, at this point, is kind of used to just being this warrior fighting terrorism and these alien threats coming to Earth. And so the toll of warfare is finally catching up to him. And so this kind of parallels to spiritual warfare and the mental toll that it brings on to us as believers. First of all, spiritual warfare is a topic that is avoided these days, and it really needs not to be because it hinders the believer in the battle. A lot of us believers these days are very ill-equipped for the spiritual battle, which is why it seems to be a losing battle these days. But it's also important to take a break from battle to rest in God's presence to be amongst other believers. That's why we gather every week at church, so that we can rest and be re-equipped for the battles ahead of us. And Tony here kind of illustrates the crisis that we might find ourselves in if we find ourselves in a situation where we have been stripped of that armor alluded to in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is why it is so important to remain beholden to that armor that God has given us. And so the last thing that comes up in this film that I noticed is the corruption of good things. This is illustrated with the Iron Patriot suit being taken over. Um, Rhodes is captured and he is forced out of the suit. And then the other guy whose name I couldn't remember earlier, he occupies the suit and then takes over Air Force One. To then capture the president to bring him to Killian, who is revealed later on to be the Mandarin. Jesus himself gives an illustration of how good things can be corrupted through a parable. He talks about a tree who bears bad fruit. Well, that tree was once good, right? He also walks by a fig tree, um, and he notices that it's not producing fruit. It may have once been producing fruit. But it wasn't, and therefore he curses it, and then it dies. And this is why God allows for things to remain that might seem bad. Like some people might see guns as a bad thing. Well, they can be used for good. They might have originally been used for good, but the use of it has been corrupted by some. But we can also fight the use of something that has been corrupted by using it for good. That's kind of what happens in Age of Ultron, really, between Ultron and Vision. Tony and Banner intended to make a good AI, resulted in Ultron, and then they tried it again, still intending for good, and that's how we got Vision. And we might dive deeper into that portion of it in the Age of Ultron episode when we get there. But the overall point here being that all things that have been corrupted were once used for good, um, especially all things in creation that no man has made. That may have been corrupted, but that was originally good. For when God had finished his creation on each day, he deemed everything that he created on that day to be good. Now this conversation could certainly tie into the question of why does God allow for evil in this world? And the answer for that is simple. Is because God gave us free will when he created us. Um, he gave Adam and Eve a choice. He had given them the whole Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life. But then he also had this one tree where 
he didn't want them to be eating from, but he gave them that choice, and they chose to eat from it. We don't know how long they'd been in the garden by the time they were eating from that tree. They're probably tired of the fruit of the other trees, and that's probably why they chose the fruit of that tree, because the serpent tempted them, and they're like, you know what? This tree does look like it produces some good fruit, so we're going to eat from it. And this whole situation is probably why Jesus gives so many illustrations and parables surrounding vines and trees and good fruit versus bad fruit. And this free choice that God gives us is ultimately what makes the choice of receiving salvation all the more significant and sweeter. If you did not give us the choice to receive it, then we would be forced to one place or another. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to live freely. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so that is all for the devotional portion of this episode. I left you off last time with my Moon Knight reactions all the way up through episode 5. Now that the finale has come out, I would love to give my thoughts on it. I really love the finale. Um, it really enhanced the previous episodes, and it's a great series. It's not my favorite Marvel series so far, but it is still a good one. It's better than some of them. I especially loved seeing Layla with being Tawarit's avatar, and I love the battle between Amit and Khonshu. It was fantastic, and I will definitely delve more into my thoughts when I get to Moon Knight. And now for my thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, or should I say the Multiverse of Disappointments? I'll be honest, it was quite disappointing. Apparently Sam Raimi didn't even watch all of WandaVision or even like some of the previous projects that would be relevant to what he might produce in this movie. So yeah, I was very disappointed and I can't really go any deeper without giving any spoilers. Obviously, I'll give more of my thoughts on that, all of my thoughts on that in that episode when I get there. It'll be a while. As always, I would love to have you join us on the Discord. Just hit me up at mcudevos at gmail.com and let me know that you would want to be a part of the Discord and I'll send you the invite link. Can't wait to hear from you. That will do it for Iron Man 3. We will see you next time when we cover Captain America, the Winter Soldier on Oh How Marvelous.